talk about sex, baby. Oh, jeez. Let's talk about I you. I cannot believe that you me. would even Let's talk about start all the with good the, things a song like and that. The bad things that may be. <laughs> Let's talk about sex. Wait, you guys know what that is? That's salt and pepper. I don't feel like you cleared that with That's me. That's salt and pepper. The if intro I cleared music. things with you, you could say no. <laughs> so, welcome to Light the Fight, and we're going to be talking about sex. And unfortunately, not the natural sex. Um, now, Heidi, I apologize. So Heidi said, tonight, Dave, she goes, I don't know what we should talk about. Like, I've been busy, this and that and the other, and I had a couple ideas. And I said, oh, well, I got something. She goes, oh, what is it? I go, ah, yes, well, we'll just, don't worry. So I just kind of distracted her. And then we're like, okay, let's record. And then as we're starting to record, she's like, by the way, you never told me what we're talking about. I'm like, you'll see. <laughs> so this is one of those, you know, every single week when we get here, I kind of have a plan and I kind of spring it on Dave and he totally acts chill. Like he doesn't freak out or anything. Um, <laughs> and then there's me. He starts out and I'm like, wait, what? We didn't talk about this. <laughs> no, we didn't talk about this. I did not uh, clear this through management. <laughs> this is all my idea. But let me tell you okay, why. But, I, you know, I'm... I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah. So now that we're in our what what number episode is this? What are we at I think it's twenty one. Twenty one. This will be our twenty one. Okay, we're past the introductions. Episode. If you don't know who I am and who she is now by now, then I don't know why you're listening because Well, you may as well <laughs> still tell them in case this is their first time listening and this is and that's the type of introduction test. They they're now they're they're like, What okay, kind of podcast okay. is this? Well, since we're talking about sex, I'm changing my name to Don Diego de la Vega. <laughs> my real name's David. But yeah, that's Zora's name, Don Diego de la Vega. <laughs> and my name is. I didn't have one. No, you I didn't can't, have like just a, Heidi. All right, Heidi. I'm Heidi Swap, and I and I authorize this message. <laughs> you didn't spend years of your adolescence trying to think of cool names to tell girls instead of giving your real name. So <laughs> right. I got plenty more where that came from. Right. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to Light the Fight. And all joking aside, um, the topic that I chose without Heidi's approval or. Uh, offering any suggestions or ideas on the topic at all, is um, we're going to talk about pornography. And this may be like one of those uh, podcasts that you want to skip from us. If you say, I have no intentions or desires to learn more about why people look at pornography, understanding um, what, like the whole entire epidemic of pornography use, specifically with young men and men in general, um, objectifying of women. If you don't care about any of those things, well, then please skip this podcast to our <laughs> normally uh, recorded episodes. But this podcast, I feel, is a very, very important podcast for us to, to have a discussion about. One particular reason is this is one of those things that I do specialize in. Now, it may seem like I say I specialize in a lot of things, but if you were to jumble them together, it's youth, families, um, and suicide, right? Well, it just so happens that youth and families are often affected by pornography. So then throughout the years, I became very well-versed and I have educated myself with research and just counseled lots of young men and men in general um, of all different you know, age groups, uh, religions, races about these, this subject. And I thought it'd be really cool for us to have a conversation about it because it's something that affects a lot of people. And if it doesn't affect you personally in your own life, then, you know, maybe you know someone who it does. You know, and interestingly, I will say, we do get a lot of messages that that kind of broach this subject. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you approach it if there's somebody, whether that's your spouse 
whether it's your child. And incidentally, it's not just boys, right? Not, not just men who struggle with pornography issues, um, which I guess I thought it was just a guy thing. So yeah, it's not, this, this is a, this is one that I think that every parent, mom or dad could use the extra information in for sure. Yeah. Well, hence the reason why I went and decided, so we're just fixing some mic equipment stuff here. Um, sorry, hold on one second, a little technical difficulty. Okay, cool. Um, so as we start talking about this conversation, um, let me just preface this a little bit. By no means is any of the, of the things that I'm going to be saying is accusatory towards anyone I don't even know who's listening to this. So if you feel like I'm trying to shame you or make you feel bad, um, you may feel that way, but your feelings aren't necessarily reality in this case. <laughs> I'm not intentionally trying to do anything to stir or trigger anyone. But what I do want to do is I want to bring um, some information to the subject because it just so happens to be something that um, I've had a lot of discussions, a lot of conversations. I've seen people throughout years of their pornography use, recovery, I've helped people that have lost jobs, lost marriages because of it. Um, definitely is a, a relationship wedge for sure. It, it definitely can be. And on the other hand, I've helped a lot of young men extremely shamed, specifically um, in the LDS community here in Utah. A lot of young men have got sent home from LDS Mormon missions. And a lot of young men couldn't even go on a mission because of having an issue of some degree with pornography. So pornography, first thing I want to say, just like everything else, it's it's a spectrum thing, meaning, okay, here, here's a debate. I, I even listened to a podcast a little while ago about this, and some, it was interesting to hear some guys that don't really know anything about it weigh in on it and talk about it. But the reason why they were talking about it because they are referring to an article and someone was getting into it, their conversation is, is pornography an addiction or is it not addiction? Well, one of them was like, I don't feel like it's addiction. It's like, you know, it's not that bad of a thing. And he listed all these things that can help. And then the other person was like, well, you know, I, I could see how it might be addiction. They're just kind of going back and forth about if it's addiction or if it's not addiction. Okay. Well, just like alcoholism, just like uh, a lot of things that can be addictive, tobacco, whatever it may be, pornography does have the ability to be a full-fledged, blown addiction. But the only way you can determine if it's an addiction is one, it would have to have some serious implications in the person's life. If a person loses a relationship, is coming to counseling for it, maybe it's stopping them from performing at their job, losing their job. Um, maybe it's something like maybe their religious beliefs are very strong against it, like, um, uh, like we have here in Utah. And it's something that makes them feel horribly shameful, causes them depression, causes them great insecurities, and makes them feel like they have to hide. And it affects their ability to look at women in, in a normal, natural, loving way and, and it causes them to objectify women. Well, then, yes. If, if you're experiencing those things, and I'm sure I, I missed quite a few in that category, then it's definitely leaning towards an addiction. And if you're looking at pornography multiple times throughout the day, and, and the usage amount of it is extreme, then yeah, you're on, that, you're on that addiction path. However, a lot of people say that pornography has a healthy relationship in their life. Some people say that it um, spices up their sex life with their spouse. And because of that, I don't want to sit here and try to tell those people that pornography is huge and, and bad in their life because if it's not huge and bad in their life, 
Well, then I'm not going to debate with someone. That's like me telling people say like, hey, I don't, I don't know why people have a hard time with drinking alcohol. Like I just have a couple of drinks and, and then I go to bed, I'm fine. Well, maybe they don't have a problem with alcohol. But I think it's safe to say some people do have a problem with alcohol. Right. And those people can't have a couple of drinks and go to bed. Just like one person may look at pornography periodically. It's out of their mind. It's out of their – they're not thinking about it all the time. Where another person looks at it and they can't stop thinking about it. They're searching different ways to get it even when it's blocked from them. So I just kind of wanted that disclosure statement, first of all. This is not to debate whether someone has an issue, whether someone doesn't have an issue. What we're going to talk about is where this issue comes from. So the people that do have an issue with pornography, where it stems from, how... I want to give you a different way of looking at this issue so you can bring it more to a personal level to help you wrap your head around it and understand how to address these issues how to talk about them, and basically just having very important information that can help you not stigmatize this issue so that you can work with it. Because it's easy to say, if you look at pornography, you're bad. If you don't look at pornography, then you're doing a good job. That's not really a fair uh, case for specifically, let's take a population like teenage boys. For teenage boys to not look at pornographic images, they would have to be a teenage boy that doesn't live in this planet in this society, on this continent. Harsh. <laughs> well, I, think about it. It's Go to the though, mall right? and walk by Victoria's Secrets. By definition, those are pornographic images. That could lead someone to go, hmm? Hmm, I thought about that long enough. Like, maybe look at this. YouTube does a good job of not sharing actual real porn, but you can find a bunch of people doing sexual pole dancing, this and that and the other. Instagram doesn't allow porn, but man, there's a lot of people not wearing a lot of clothes on it. So if you're going to look for it, you're going to find it. In regards to pornography as a whole, Heidi said it, it, we have had a lot of requests about this topic. We wanted to talk about it a number of times. It just didn't feel like it was the right time. For me, probably the reason why I want to talk about it a lot right now is a lot of things that I'm talking about throughout a month or throughout a week tends to put something on my radar even more. And this is a very common discussion for me. But right now in particular, I just happen to actively be working with three young men at different degrees who are struggling with this issue. One's uh, 23 years old, one's 18 years old, and one's 16 years old. And without, obviously I can't share details about them, uh, but the the older one uh, has just recently, um, with my help, decided that he was gonna go to get some help with the 12-step program. He has been on an interesting journey, and I'm just using this as an example, right? He's been on an interesting journey that, um, you know, he knew he watched pornography and throughout the past year, it's kind of slowly gotten to the point where he's tried everything else to make himself happy and he's worked out, he's done these things, but for some reason, all the tools and the things I give him, he'll do them, they'll work for a few weeks, but then it makes him feel better, but then he slips off of it and then it doesn't work and it doesn't make him feel good. And he was able to finally identify that the one common factor in all these things is that he's never really addressed his pornography use. We've talked about it. He tells me how horrible it makes him feel, how often he does it, but there hasn't been really any real significant progress in that. So um, like I always do, I, if things don't work, I do something completely unrational and completely crazy. Wait, what's that, what's that word? It's <laughs> not the 3D, the, what's uh, the word Orthogonal approach. <laughs> yeah. From our other episode, use 3D so we don't make people's brain hurt with trying to say something like orthogonal. What are we talking yeah. about? Yeah. 
So, uh, so yeah, so I gave him the most crazy suggestion. I can't say what it is. He was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Did it. Came back, and then he recently determined, I cannot stop objectifying women. And when I tell you this is the nicest young man, if you met this young man, you'd be like, I would totally love for him to date my daughter. Just a solid kid. Just a, it wouldn't hurt a fly. You would never think that this young man unknowingly but habitually objectifies women because he's not mean to women. He would never, this guy couldn't hurt a fly in regards to intentionally, right? Just a great young man. But his ability to socialize and have regular conversations with women is completely handicapped and he now realizes it. it's because of his consistent and obsessive pornography use for years. Think how heartbreaking this is for a young man who prides himself in being honest, hardworking, good young man, cares about his family, like I said, just a stand-up individual, but has this secret. This secret makes it so he can't even date. This secret makes it so that when he does try to talk to girls, so many things are going through his mind, it comes out like, and he's like, like he just makes fun of himself because like, I I can't put it together. I can't crack jokes. I can't be relaxed. can't be comfortable because he says, I can't stop thinking about what they think if they see that I have this issue. It's like, do they know? Like, I'm not really making a lot of eye contact. For some reason, his shame is telling him that people are going to see right through it. And he's so busy trying to not let people know he's this bad guy that he can't show how great he is and all the good things right. he has to offer them. So this is one example of a young man so it's been on my mind a lot and bringing up this topic, um, first of all, before I even get any deeper, I just kind of want to hear what your thoughts are right now, Heidi, as you hear me talking about all this stuff, because having young teenage boys and obviously being out there talking with a lot of moms and women, this is not a secret that moms and women aren't worried about their men, even their daughters, but specifically their men and their sons becoming influenced by this culture. And a little simple fact that blows people's minds away, I think it was in 2013, yeah, 2013, uh, I saw a report consensus that said um, the pornography industry made more money that year than the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, and the NHL combined. Wow. And, so and that's not even including the free stuff. <laughs> this, is not, this, is not in, this is not an industry of wealth. This is an industry of domination. Mm -hmm. This is a monopoly. Then to add even the most twisted, worst spin to this, if you're listening to this podcast and if you have not heard anything in the past couple of years about human sex trafficking, it's all too real. Mm -hmm. It used to be pretty believed because that's all we saw with, with human tra sex trafficking. It was mostly in third world countries overseas. Um, uh, Operation Underground Railroad, a local organization here, a nonprofit, they've been doing a lot of work. And that was originally a lot of their stuff. You see people in, you know, Liberia, like horrible places. And so your heart wrenches for it and you're like, oh my gosh. But the safety of it being off our soil and not in our own communities, that safety is no longer there. It's gone. Those people that have been busted in those rings, it all starts to link back. There's in your own community, in your own, in your own areas, and I'm not trying to do a scare tactic here. This is happening. This is a real thing. Pornography is the gateway drug mm -hmm. for other 
more intense fetishes, sexual issues, and even slavery and human trafficking. So I want to be very cautious about how I say these things, but I say it with complete conviction that what we're going to be talking about, what I'm saying to you right now is very real, very truthful, and from my experience. So hope that if you're still listening to this, that you take this to heart and consider some of the things that I'm going to be saying today, because they're not all going to be easy things to swallow, but you'd rather know this information than be wondering what's happening. I mean, I think that my response is, as a mom of teenage boys, it's like this great fear. You, you see them on their phones, or you don't want them to take their, their phones in their room. You, you know, it's, it's top of mind, for sure. Like, what can I be doing? And, and you know, you, you try to put on the parental controls, and you got passwords, and you got all those things, trying to make yourself feel like, okay, I've done everything that I can. Um, you know, I think that you have to be naive to not believe that it's an issue all around you whether or not that's your relationship, relationships inside your family and relationships in, in your friend, like it's, it's rampant. And so I don't, I think that it's naive to think that you're not affected or, or that that would never happen to you. Or even like if it has happened to you, that it means that you're with a bad person or you have horrible kids or you yourself are horrible or, you know, someone that you love is horrible because this is a problem. I don't think just like everything that we've talked about for the past 20 episodes, just because it's something that you're dealing with, it doesn't, it doesn't define you. It's something that you're dealing with. And so talking about it, facing it, uh, is hard though, particularly this, like, it's one thing to talk about, like, you know, I talk a lot about maybe my health shame or my body image shame or, or my healthy eating shame or some of these things. But, and, and that was hard for me to talk about. I mean, if, if you rewind back to, I think it was episode three or four or something, when I talked about my very real shame, I hate that shame that I carry, talking about it has helped a ton. But, you know, you just like what you just said, like imagine a kid who has a heart of gold, who wants nothing but to be married probably and to be a father and be successful in his job and in whatever pursuit, but hate himself and not being able to forgive himself. Like, that's what this is about. Not necessarily doesn't have to be the pornography, right? It doesn't, doesn't, but that pornography is so icky and so shameful that that's the embarrassing things that we don't want to talk about. You know, I mean, even when you started <laughs> the podcast, I'm like, oh, geez, we're not going, are, are we really going there? You know, like, because it's icky. And, and um, that's why I started singing salt and pepper to kind of, you know, <laughs> make some light into it. Didn't, it. it didn't help. <laughs> it, didn't it didn't help. help. Yeah, okay. I tried. Um, but I'm really glad that you actually broached this subject. I think it's real. I don't, I don't know what I would, you know, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. 
Well, um, so let's just start from the the basics of, it. and thank you for that, Heidi, because I'm 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 excited to talk about it. Um, so, a little bit of a background with my experience in this subject, and I don't mean like my like resume experience, just what I what I'd witnessed and what I'd seen through helping people with this throughout the years. Um, a lot of people will come and they'll talk about, you know, let's say they're openly saying they're struggling with pornography for some reason. It's it's not something I have to like help them feel comfortable to talk about. They're like, hey, I have this issue. I'll talk to them about their history, their past, some of the things I'm looking for. It, just some of the identifiable markers typically can be like maybe they're sex, sexually molested when they're a child. Um, or they had some sort of early sexual experiences that makes them more hypersexual and and feeling things that they shouldn't have felt till they're older. And that's one of the challenges with people who have been sexually molested at a younger age or just, you know, specifically younger, is that they have these experiences, they feel these feelings that our bodies are machines. It's going to feel good even if you don't want it to happen sometimes and even if you don't understand what's going on because that's just the way the body reacts. That's like someone shoves an eclair in your mouth that's absolutely delicious and you had too many carbs that day. You're like, no, no, you're like, damn, that tastes delicious and feels good. (laughs) But, you know, like, okay. Horrible analogy, but hopefully you get what I'm saying. And no disrespect to anyone who's been sexually assaulted or molested, but I've had clients that actually had sexual arousal during a horrible traumatic sexual experience. And imagine how confusing that would be, right? However, that wasn't as common as as a factor in people that could lead someone to looking at pornography, but that wasn't the most common factor. There's a lot of different variables that seem to present itself when someone had these issues. But what I found out through my mentor, through working with a local uh, pornography addiction recovery um, program and just my own personal experience as a professional, um, I found out that pornography and research and everything is now pointing this direction as well. I found out that pornography, pornography addiction, it's actually an intimacy issue. So what that means is for whatever reason, whether it be early um, inappropriate sexual experiences that a kid has, whether it be um, uh, not feeling safe and secure at their home and not feeling like they can open up and talk about their feelings, um, whether it be um, feeling like they're not good at talking to people they're attracted to and always feel like they're being rejected Maybe they feel like they're less than in sports and school, and they have a whole lot of shame about that subject. Well, these young men, mostly young men, I have counseled a couple girls, but it is mostly young men that come across and older men. Most of these people, as they're telling their story of their history in their life, some may be as presenting themselves as that they're confident and they're okay and they're doing these things, but they start to talk about how they really feel about themselves. And I find out that they're extraordinarily shamed by their life, by their capabilities. They feel like they don't have a lot to offer other relationships. And their ability, because of that shame, to make genuine, intimate, sincere connections with other human beings on a deep level is extremely handicapped because they're scared to go to those darker, deeper places that other people would normally connect with them through sharing vulnerability. They're scared that they could be opening up Pandora's box and could expose themselves. So then the then the con is in. Then they're like all in. They have to protect it. Unfortunately for all these people, sexuality and pornography is still far more taboo than drug use. Can I ask just one? I just want to ask one question. 
in the in the LDS community, uh, as um, it's very openly against the rules. Like from a young age, you're I mean, taught pornography is against pornography rules. As I said against... the, the church was against oh. rules. I'm like they're pretty conservative. I don't know. <laughs> what I mean is that inside the LDS church, um, it's very taboo to look at pornography. That's yeah. and and that's like a cut and dry. There's no there that's a black and white don't do it right and so if you as an lds person if you do do it you have this huge amount of guilt like morality like this is wrong do people who aren't taught that from a religious or a rule in their family or in their culture do they still feel like it's wrong do they have that is it an an inherent icky thing, or is that just because that's how I was raised? Definitely yes, and not always. <laughs> so, that's an excellent question. That's that's an excellent. So you actually said response. a couple things. So, so definitely yes, people that were raised, you know, that's bad. That's bad. And that doesn't have to just be the LDS Church. I, I mean, I know that. There's, yes, that, that's there's what a I was lot of to. other. Definitely, yes. A lot of people that were raised with a religious background, some some strong more like that was like their families, like especially Christian background stuff like that. So that's a definite yes. It's going to add a lot more of that shame and that fear that people are going to know about. Find you, out, you find out, right? For people that you know, especially in California, when I was working there, for people that have no affiliation to religion, consider themselves non-religious. Here's, here's, it goes back to what we talked about in the very beginning of this podcast. Some people don't even think of pornography as this horrible relationship killing monster machine that causes you to objectify women because they don't use it like that and they don't even see it like that. That's not their thing. Because you, you would think to yourself, well, an actual relationship yeah. with with an actual yeah. human would be 10 times worse if that was going on or whatever. Yeah. So some people, it's just like, they see this is fake. This is not real. I'm going to watch it for entertainment with my partner to increase our sexual arousal. And that's really it. But those people don't have intimacy issues to this degree. So here's what I found out, regardless of religion or whatever it is, People that struggle and have an addiction to pornography feel horribly shameful regardless if they don't have a religion uh, institute overlooking them. The difference is if you do have a religious institution that you're supposed to check in with and supposed to meet certain standards by, it's more in your face mm-hmm. and it's even more shameful. Okay. But it's it's very shameful. Sorry for even that tangent. Not... I no, just, no, it makes sense. I mean, sense. as part of my culture, that's... That's well, a big thing. Well, the, the way I, I, when I talk to those people, they all agree there's some things the shower just doesn't wash off. <laughs> right. And, and that's more of a metaphor is like, even when you're trying to make yourself clean, if you have this thing where you feel like you're not clean, you can scrub all as you want and you're still going to feel like crap. Sure. Okay. So back to it being an intimacy issue. All the people that I've ever talked to, they all ex- expose some sort of difficulty connecting on a close intimate level with other human beings. And the easiest way for me to explain this is that intimacy has many different categories. The way I see it is that sexual intimacy is just a subcategory of intimacy. The easiest way for me to explain this to people is I break down a couple basic things. So there's emotional intimacy, there's physical intimacy, 
and there's spiritual intimacy, which is more of like that. It's more like that universe, like, hey, I feel like I've known you for a long time. And there's just that bond that you have. Maybe you share the same religion. Maybe you both like yoga together. All three of those things work, co- uh, uh, they work together. They coexist together. So if you go on a hike with your best friend and you just want to get out and go on a hike and have a talk with her because she's going through a hard time or you're going through a hard time, you go on the hike. You're spending physical time together. So that physical connection with another person creates a lot of good neurochemicals and make you feel good. Then you're talking about struggles and those struggles are sharing emotions and then now you're emotionally connected. And when you're physically and emotionally connected, some people would say, and again, this is not a religious thing, there's a deeper spiritual connection because they're having all those things happen simultaneously. Well, sexual intimacy is really like the physical bonding of all those together. So if you had, ideally speaking, when I say ideally, like for a long-term relationship, if you had met someone that you are physically compatible with, you like them, they like you, you know, you're attracted to them, they're attracted to you, you're emotionally bond, you emotionally connect, you feel this bond, the soul or spiritual connection that you feel with someone close to you, and then you choose to be sexually intimate, that sexual intimacy on top of that is the bonding of all those things together. It's the glue that puts them all together. Once you have all those three in place and the sexual intimacy comes on top of it, then the sexual intimacy is invited to the relationship and the relationship is saying, we need this connection to take ourselves to the next level. A lot of people in religion say that should be by marriage. Okay, fine. We'll do all those steps. And then when you get married, have sex. Well, that sex in the marriage is supposed to make you feel closer in all those areas because it pulls everything together. The problem with with pornography uh, addiction in particular, because it's such an intimacy issue, people that do not know how to get physical, emotional, and spiritual connections with other human beings, they're either isolated or they're not good at it, so they avoid it, they keep it very surface. Those people don't get the benefits of having deep relationships. Without deep relationships, when you listen to our other episodes, you're not going to get the best drugs that your brain can produce. You're not going to get the oxytocin. You're not going to get these chemicals that make you feel happy, high, and safe, and secure, and all those great things. So imagine a young, a young man in this situation. Imagine a young man that is feeling rejected, feeling like he's not good enough, feeling like he's not making people happy, feel like, he, and this could be a young man. Don't let me paint the picture that this is a loser. A lot of the young men that, get, that have serious pornography addictions, I counsel, get great grades. On the outside, they look like, you know, the, the nicest kid on the block, like the ones I said before, like you'd want your daughter to marry them. But underneath all that, they're lacking in a whole lot of self-worth, a whole lot of self-esteem, and then one day they're feeling like crap and they're feeling down. And they can't produce genuine, intimate connections with other human beings and they're just, they suck at it. And then all of a sudden, something comes across their phone. Something comes across their computer and they click on that. And they click on another thing. And then they find some real pornography. And I'm not talking about the pornography I had to get when I was a kid by spending the night at some kid's house, waiting for his dad to go to sleep. We'd sneak (laughs) underneath his bed and pull out the one picture that was ripped out of a magazine. And like, like, we had to go through so much just to see one image. (laughs) Staring at HBO that was all fuzzy and like, oh, I think I saw a piece of someone's skin. Or like, you don't even know what's going on, right? Now, this young man went from little innocent little kid, 
clicks on something and his mind got hit with the biggest fire hose of something that is inside of us as human beings and it's totally natural. But that thing made him feel good. It made him feel like he wasn't such a loser. It made him feel happy and it was an adrenaline. And, and when he starts to watch, he's, and he's like starts to feel all these super strong things. And then if it's a teenage boy, his hormones are on fire anyways. And they're like, whoa, it's a whole lot easier to press play on that than to try to get that girl to like me all day long. And she still doesn't like me and I'm in the friend zone. So the constant rejection is in such a play in this young man's life that when you find pornography, you press a button and it's automatic acceptance. And it's because it's sexual intimacy, it does trigger inside your brain to release dopamine and a lot of cool neurochemicals so your brain gets this reward from it and it likes it. But it's not the real thing. It's fake. And your brain knows it's fake. In fact, unless the research has changed recently, a couple of years ago when I, when I was looking into this, I was curious if pornography, when someone looks at pornography, if there was releases of oxytocin, which is the bonding, intimate connection. Well, from the, from the gentlemen that were doing these presentation seminars and they're the ones conducting all this research, they told me that it was funny that I should say that because they found out dopamine is released at a higher rate than it is when you do heroin. So if you're looking at pornography or not even looking at it, here's the craziest thing about it. If you think, oh, I think I want to look at it, your body starts producing the drug dopamine before you even get close to it. You could be at work. I can't wait till I get, you have to wait till you get home and the waiting for it builds it up. You're so much dopamine is going on. The drug doesn't start when you see it. The drug starts when you think about it. Hmm. So then you get to a place where you're looking at pornography. So you, you actually look at it and I'm walking you through this young man's scenario. He looks at it, makes him feel great, all these great things going on, and it's giving him this intimate, aka quasi-intimate connection with a woman or with a, a fantasy or a scenario, and once it's all done, he comes out of the black hole, looks around, he's still in his bedroom in his parents' basement. He now looks at his Bible, if he's a Mormon kid, and thinking... I'm not getting any closer to going on that mission now. He's now looking on Instagram. Feels worse. Feels worse. Feels worse. He, he now uh, sees a message from a girl on Instagram saying, hey, how you doing? He's like, I can't. You can't have conversations with people. And the way I like to I'm describe. I'm not worthy. I like the way I like to describe this to young men because I like to shock, shock them. I'm like, you know, a young man came to me one time and he said, hey, you know, I, I really... You know, I, I, I don't want to have this issue anymore. And he's telling me his problem. And I said, I go, okay, well, I got a simple solution for you. Because I told him it's an intimacy problem. I said, you just got to connect people better. He goes, oh, really? So yeah, so next time you look at pornography, when you get done, go upstairs, tell your mom, hey, mom, I just saw the greatest threesome. You got to come down and watch this. He's like, what? I would never do that. I'm like, of course you wouldn't do that. Because you're embarrassed and you're ashamed because you know you shouldn't be. You don't get to share the high with anyone else. See, this young man played football. He would share with his mom his YouTube videos, and his mom was his best, like a good friend of his. He would share with her every single high he had in his life, except for one, until his mom caught him. 
It was so disgraceful, so embarrassing to him. And for her, trust me, I did as much counseling for her after the scenario. She was like, my baby boy. And I'm just sitting there looking at her and I'm looking at him. And he was just, I mean, face in the carpet. I mean, he was so ashamed. And she's like, my baby boy. And I didn't want to tell you, oh, give it, get over it, ma'am. Every boy's going to look at it. I didn't say nothing like that. I looked at her, I'm like... No, that was hard for her. That was, she was like, I think I'm kind of traumatized for it because she saw the screen and him and the whole nine yards. I'm like, yeah, you can't unsee that, ma'am. Like, there's nothing I could say. What am I going to do? Tell her, oh, it didn't really happen. And so then she's got blocks on all of his computers and she's got this and locking down. But then intuitively she said, this doesn't feel right that I'm putting him in prison because he is a teenage boy. And so it was a very confusing time for everybody. But I use that example is that it's the only high that you don't get to share. You can't even talk about it. And so I see why a lot of people, it started out in the 90s that I'm aware of where the TV show Friends used to make jokes about pornography. Oh, we're looking at porn, stuff like that. As like a, a, an adult. A cool thing to do. Like 20-year-olds are kind of like, oh, we're okay with sexuality, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're all on our own, stuff like that. And I, I'll have to admit, during my college years and certain my young adult years, it was very common. I'd walk into someone's house and it was just playing on the living room TV as if it was no big deal. And it was just kind of like the sort of thing like to try to minimize it, to try to like, ah, it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal. So I get that. But it is a cover-up because it is a big deal. Because if this really is what I'm saying is, if it really is an intimate issue, an intimacy issue, an inability to build intimate relationships, and someone goes to pornography because they would rather get a small dose of that drug than have to work hours and days to connect with people with no guarantee that they're going to get an intimate connection, even emotionally, let alone sexually, it would seem like their bet would be, I'm definitely going to get something if I look at pornography, but if I do all these other things, I may not get anything at all. I'd rather get a little hit and a little bit of taste of some, some drugs that make me feel better. Leaf is just for a minute. Well, the problem with that is you have to keep on getting the hit. It only lasts for a short period of time. In fact, it doesn't. Pornography is a unique thing because even with like drinking and drugs, it lasts for hours and you have this kind of thing. And you know, the old TV show Cheers, everybody knows your name. Like, so it's glorified in this way. But man, there's something about pornography that the moment it's done, the high's done, the happiness is done, and it is the most shameful, embarrassing moment of most young men's life at that moment, especially if their mom walks in and catches them. And, you know, I was listening to this one comedian one time. He, he had this joke. He said, nothing is more embarrassing and shameful for a 40-year-old man um, to, you know, look at pornography, masturbate, and then when it's all done, have to sit there and, like, have to clean himself up. He's like, it's the worst thing. Everybody started laughing in the audience. And I was watching this on TV and I was listening to it. I'm like... Everybody was laughing, but they showed the audience. Everybody was like laughing and then going, <laughs> like kind of, they like laughed and then they realized like all the guys laughed and then they all put their heads down, looked at the, and then you see all their wives look at them and they're like, well, I don't know what they're talking about. Well, why were you laughing so hard, right? What's going on here? So when talking about this, it is far don't more Don't worry, taboo. if you guys feel uncomfortable listening to this, don't worry. Just try sitting right here where I am. Me and Brandon are like, it's fine. Well, hey, you know, someone's got to talk about it, right? The point being I'm is... I'm just trying to, yeah, you know, know get, keep yeah. it pretty real here. I think probably my face is a little bit reddish. It's hence fine. The, I don't really talk about masturbation ever. Well, hence the so reason why. I talk to a lot of teenage boys, so it comes up every, all the time. I just said the, um, that M word. Exactly. Just like that. Woo! Okay, so now, see, well, this is an icebreaker for everybody. Everybody shake it all just off shake, now. Just shake roll it down the window. Like, just... But hopefully what you're getting from this, because that's Heidi's favorite thing is hope, 
Hopefully what you're getting from this is that I broke the ice from you. We can have a real conversation. But think about it. Heidi, you just described why this is so taboo and nobody wants to talk about it. Because it's uncomfortable. Yeah, no kidding. There's a lot of things that are uncomfortable to talk about. But this is a different type of uncomfortable. Because every single one of those teenage boys knew that if anyone in their church group, in their neighborhood, or anyone found out that they had a pornography addiction they would not be looked at the same way and they wouldn't feel comfortable with their little daughters coming and jumping on their laps. Even though I, these young men I'm talking about, they're, they're not a threat in that way. But how do you know? Well, you know. Like it opens up people's minds. So if someone comes say to you, hey, I got two kids that are great babysitters. They both have these great strengths. One is addicted to porn, one's not. And you have three girls. So which one would you like to choose? That's not even a choice. Mm-hmm. You could be like, oh, I really do like Stevie, but Stevie's addicted to porn. Yeah, I'm going to take a pass. Take a hard pass on him being our babysitter or even being around our kids. So many people tell me they fight that. They're like, they know he's a good kid, but they don't know because who knows what that good kid is looking at. And the images that you see nowadays, pornography nowadays is on steroids. It is out of control what you can find on the internet. So the unknown is too scary for a lot of people to take a risk. So the taboo says, if you have an issue with pornography and someone else knows about your issue, there's a high probability they will never look at you the same way, or they at least are going to question and doubt you in all these other little attributes of your life. Right. And in some cases, they won't let you, they won't even let you serve God. Well, I, I had, I had an experience one time where someone Someone confided in me, a friend of mine confided in me that her husband, she just found out that her husband had been looking at pornography. And she said, I guess I'm going to have to divorce him. Like, and she was shattered. Like I said it really matter of factly, but it was like shattered. And I think I was, my only response was, well, I don't think you have to divorce him. I think you probably work through it you know but 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 i think that that worst fear that someone that you as a woman someone that you have given your vulnerability to and that you trust and that you have children with or whatever and and then you realize am i am i in competition with those girls am i do you like those girls better is it because they look better in that then, because that, that, you know, so that, then the mental that happens on the side. By the way, Heidi the just listed like three of the five million things that goes through a woman's mind in that situation. So yeah. you may proceed. Rough, rough. <laughs> There's a, but the, then, those three million things, five million things go through their head in five seconds, mm-hmm. by the way. So. Well, and then the other side, I'm never going to forget an experience that I had in, in a group that David was actually um, leading. And a, a quit young man, group. a quit tripping group, yep. a young man who I actually knew out from outside the group. Um, they were they were doing a confession session or or something along that line. Everybody's just sharing something that they've been holding that in. That's, that's that's kind of like a it's a poison to them. Like they need to let it go, you know. And this young man confided that he had been dealing with a pornography addiction and that he was so sick of it. And so sick of not being able to get out of control that he'd driven his truck up and was going to drive his truck off this 
cliff, basically. And he was going to end his life because he couldn't deal with how horrible he felt. And I had never, like, it made such a huge impact on me. Oh, and by the way, when he was saying that, was he smiling, laughing, or was he shaking, oh, like scared it, to death to say it was, out loud? He was scared to death. And everybody in the room was Dead like, silent. just right there with him. Yeah. And I remember him saying, you know, I think he was like, I'm 27 days clean or some, something along yeah, those 30 lines. 30 days clean, yeah. So, he felt so good. And my my heart was just like... I was picking my heart off the ground. Like, here's this kid who... Uh, and he's a good kid. Good he's athlete. He's a great kid. A good-looking yeah. kid. Yeah, like... Wanted to... Obviously, want, didn't want to disappoint anybody. Yeah. And, um, like, the, the, the word that you just said, poison. It, there's, just, there's just nothing good. That, he was in prison. That comes there. And, um, you know... Yeah, but the respect that I had for him when he shared that and the love that I had for him and the admiration that I had for him. I don't know if his mom ever got to hear something like that, but if I, I honored his, his struggle um, and his fight in, in that moment, in that place, and I think everybody in the room did. For well, sure. that, that young man, he broke through that taboo, that shameful feeling to express himself. And in return, his reward system from his brain was he got to get all the neurochemicals, all the drugs, including the bonding one. Right. So back to what I was talking about, it being an intimacy issue. If you can't build relationships or don't know how to build solid, good relationships and you come across some sort of sexual pornographic images, it's not guaranteed that you're going to become addicted to it, but it's going to feel like a tractor beam if you're a young man or if you're the typical one for older guys is they're in a job they don't like, their wives are always unhappy with them. They're like, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. When you turn on a pornography movie and press play, no one rejects you in the pornography movie. I say this quite often. There's never been a pornography movie. Oh that I'm aware of at least, that you turn it on and the woman says, what do you, don't look at me, you gross, disgusting pig. <laughs> no, it's, right. it's total, it's, there's no chance of you ever being rejected from looking at pornography. Now, women that are listening to this, think about all the men in your life and how much they hate to be rejected, what it does to their ego. <laughs> so see how this is a bad combination? Total perfect acceptance, sexuality, it's free, it's all these things. Well, it can be free unless you get a really bad addiction. All these things over here, but you got to keep it a secret over here. You can't talk about it. Well, how are you supposed to keep something a secret that makes you feel good, right? So for all the young men out there, for all the men or anyone that struggles with these types of issues, like we've talked about before in this podcast, if you have a pornography issue and you're well aware of it, if you have an issue or if you think you might have an issue or you're scared that it could become an issue for you, this is a call to action. I'm giving you the root cause. It's an intimacy issue. You're not putting together the pieces to build and maintain and improve significant, real, meaningful relationships. That could be family relationships, friend relationships, your relationships with people at your work, your relationship with your work as a whole your relationship with school as a whole, your relationship with your hope for the future. 
if you are not connecting with real, sincere, solid foundational relationships on a week-to-week, preferably day-to-day basis, your probability of going to pornography is extraordinarily high. And if you don't believe what I'm saying, consider this. Every time I've ever talked to a young man that said they've gone a day clean or like a couple days clean, a week clean, and they didn't even think about pornography, they always told me that they're hanging out with friends, they're doing this. They were doing all these things that just made them feel good. And then I ask him this question. So in the middle of your, you know, going to the water slide with your friends, this one kid told me recently, we're at the water slide park, we're having this stuff like that. I said, oh yeah. I said, well, didn't you stop in the middle of all that and go to the bathroom and pull out your phone, look at pornography and masturbate? Because that's how I talk, Heidi. That's, that's my world. That's what I live in, right? Frank, frankly, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and, and they look at me and they look at me again. That's all for shock factor. They all look at me. They go, no, no, I didn't even think about it. And then all of a sudden they stop and look at me and a light bulb comes on. They're like, you're right. I didn't even think about it. And then I said, now think about all the funnest times, Lake Powell trips, this and that, when you're bonding, connecting, like those intimate moments where they never saw that as intimacy. Mm-hmm. No one ever would think they thought intimate relationship, a sexual relationship. intimate with a guy, it, like with a buddy. Yeah, they didn't know what intimacy really was. And so when they thought about it, when I'm connected with my friends, having a good time with my family, it was the only time they never even, it didn't cross their mind. So what they took from that is the power of building relationships and connections is your, it's what's going to fortify you against these things. But if you're a person out there that thinks you want this to stop, you want it to go away, you want to never have those thoughts, and then if you have the thoughts again and it doesn't go away completely and you failed, I'm here to tell you, you have extremely unrealistic expectations of yourself as a human being because we are animals and we have a desire to procreate. Two things, sexuality and eating. Those two addictions might be the hardest of all time. The reason why is because they're ingrained in us from the moment we're born. What not is an addiction, mean the desire, the want. When I talk to teenage kids and they tell me, specifically I'm like using teenage this situation because they don't have a lot of life experience, obviously, and they tell me, that they feel horrible because they'll look at pornography and then go two days without looking at it and they'll look at it again, feel two days without looking at it. And they're like, why can't I stop this? I'm like, because you're a boy and you like girls and you're horny and you're a teenager and you're an animal that wants to procreate. And they look at me, they go, what? I go, didn't you ever pay attention in biology class? Like you have it inside of you to want this. The biggest mistake with anything that's taboo is we villainize it if you do it and then it makes it more of an issue. Right. It's so it's so funny how the thing that makes it worse is the thing that comes natural to do. For example, we talked about uh, the Mormon church and years ago they were upfront about this is an issue, this is an issue. Then they were talking about, okay, we found out with research this is this can be addictive. Like you have to take this serious. You have to go get help. In the very beginning phases, a lot of leaders of the church, bishops and those types of things, would say things like, read scriptures, do that. Like, they were trying to take a spiritual healing approach to this issue. After enough fails, I think they, the smart ones started to go, yeah, maybe we might need to do something maybe, else besides... Maybe you can't pray it away. And, and that's where David, I was like, yeah, hope's not a strategy for this one. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't have faith, and I'm not trying to disrespect the religion. I'm, I'm actually saying that 
you can't just stop drinking alcohol because you want to stop drinking alcohol sometimes. Sometimes you can do it. Mm-hmm. Some, you can't just say, well, I, I choose not to be depressed. Depression be gone. That would be so great. <laughs> I'd be out of a job, but it'd be really good, right? <laughs> Same thing with pornography. If this is an intimacy issue, this is your call to action or a loved one's call to action to form better relationships. Okay, so let's, let's take this from my angle. Let's say that I'm the mom that's okay. seen across to you and I've got this kid here that's that we know have a problem and, and that it's out in the open. How, how do I as a mom, like, you know, this podcast is directed to parents and this is directed to parents' behaviors. And I believe completely, full, wholeheartedly that as parents change their behavior and change their approach, we can manifest change in our kids by us changing them. They kind of, they can, that gives them room to change. So if you're saying that it's an intimacy issue. What is that advice for a mom or a dad that we need to learn how to create and um, foster intimate relationships with our own children? Intimate being closeness, um, relatability, fun trust, right? I mean, I just so you know, Dave's nodding at me. He's like, okay, let's see if Heidi's got, let's see if she's learning anything through all of this time, right? I hold her to a higher standard. I quiz her before every podcast to make sure she actually listen and learn from the last one. <laughs> you know, if, if we, I think that if you do say you should be having an intimate relationship with your teenage son, you'd kind of be like, okay, that sounds a little creepy. But the reality is, if, if we take what you've just taught us, which is, you know, you go on a hike with your teenage son, and you feel the beauty, and you feel the, the effort, and you talk about your life, and, and you laugh, and you joke, and you fall, and get hurt, and help each other, you know, whatever, that that's intimate, and that that's helping them learn how to be accepted and loved, no matter what their grades are, no matter what their hair looks like, no matter what else is going on. Maybe that, maybe it doesn't have to be a hike. Maybe it's a, a one-on-one date night. Maybe it's just sitting down and letting them show you viral videos on Twitter, <laughs> which, was, which was a way that, that my sons wanted to connect with me through laughing at things that they thought were funny. And I was just like, what, what is this? You know? So I think that if, if you're suspecting and, and I don't even think you have to suspect that there's a pornography, a pornography problem. Maybe you as parents, us as parents, we as parents, me as a parent, we need to say, what am I doing to really forge an intimate, connected, fun, real, raw, trusting experiences on what you would say a daily basis? Well, I'll make this very simple. Um, You want to know how to be able to like 
people listening to this a takeaway they could say like all right we said intimate relationships but how do you forge that with your child well let's start with assuming let's say it's a child we'll use child but this could be with your husband or you know a loved one right it definitely would affect you is what i'm saying so mother finds her finds out their teenage boy is looking at pornography well your very first opportunity to be intimate and forge that for this specific purpose goes like this. You freak out, you validate the taboo of the relation of the, the issue with pornography. You also let them know that you can't handle this type of a this conversation. This is sounding like exactly like what this I This language, <laughs> this language, this world is so scary that you also wanted to keep it a secret and you can't even imagine that it's infiltrated your home and if you sit there as a parent and you try to make sense of how could you do this? How could this possibly happen? And we need to fix this. We need to run in and handle this. And if you go into panic, paranoid, freak out mode, you just told your kid he was right to feel horrible and that he is the mistake. So if you want to have an intimate relationship in that moment or with your kid, that means at that moment, you have to test your steel. You have to show them that you can handle that. And here's why I can confidently say this. The number one determining factor to a teenager or a young person having a good start to tackle this issue and really focus on overcoming these struggles and challenges is his parents' ability to respond versus freak out and react to finding out that he has an issue. This is not an issue you want to come in hard with, with that, I can't believe, like, who, where have you been looking at? How have you seen it? We're blocked. What all is that wrong stuff, with you? All that stuff has a time and place. I'm not saying, because sometimes people take me too literally, I'm not saying don't put devices to block, to take certain actions. I'm saying that's not the first, second, or third step. You want to slowly kind of let that part of the conversation come up with, you first want to just make some very powerful statements. If the kid came to you, if your child came to you, obviously you're congratulate them to coming to you. You know, you can be honest, say, I'm a little shocked and surprised and I didn't see this coming, but I'm more concerned about focusing on how proud I am of you that you're sharing this with me, how proud I am that, of you that, um, that we can talk about this. And I promise you we're going to figure this out. Um, I don't want to shame you, make you feel bad about it. However, you're smart enough to know that this is something that, could affect you, not my life. I mean, I wouldn't be happy, but I just don't want it to affect your life. So put it on your teenager saying, I empathize with, I empathize with you. I see how this must be hard to keep the secret, the struggles. Put yourself in their shoes and then congratulate them. Tell them how happy you are that you can now start to work together on this and you'll do whatever it takes to help them with that. That's got to be the first conversation. If you go past that in that first conversation, you went from, okay, I don't want to shame you, but we better quickly come up with a solution or else you're going to die a lonely, depressed man because no one's going to ever want to be with you. Because <laughs> too many parents go from zero to 100 and you're like, wait, wait, what just happened? Like, and then I have to remind those moms or those parents, like, it's a teenage boy. If he's looking at pornography, he's not an alien. He's a human. <laughs> this right. is not a sc scary thing. This would be a surprise if he never, ever looked at it. Then I'm like, show me that kid. I'm like, Guinness Book of World's Records. Let's take a picture of this kid. <laughs> a kid that never saw a pornographic image and he's a teenage boy and he never looked for one either. Ooh, right? right. That doesn't happen. <laughs> so if we put it into perspective, we're not giving an allowance because 
oh, he's a teenage boy. It's natural. I'm not allowing that. I'm not suggesting it. I'm saying you have to have realistic expectation to what is being brought to you. Now, let's say you catch your kid. This you can plan for it. Talk to your husband. Or husband, if you found it, talk to your wife. Say, you know, we don't want to make him feel bad. We don't want to create him to go back into the shadows even more and hide it even more. We want to talk to him about getting this out to the surface. And even if the first talk is telling him that you want to talk about that, don't be mad. We're not going to ground you. are not going to punish you. We want to address it. Most people come really fast with punishment, but think what you're doing. You're punishing your child for doing something that they're not addicted to, but you're fearful they would get addicted to, but it just so happens that this, this thing that you're fearful they'll get addicted to is very addictive in their body. It's a very, very complicated thing. It's like, are you going to take your, it's like, all right, you had two hamburgers instead of one hamburger. Now you can't drive to the car this weekend. We could say, you, a lot of parents say that'd be ridiculous. I, I would never do that. Well, I have some parents with some eating disorders that they justified it. Well, I don't want my son to be obese. I don't want this. So I can totally justify it. You can justify anything you want. The point is, do you want to err on the side of the relationship, which we always suggest, and work with your child to help them see that you feel ashamed and you feel ashamed because you did something that's secret, it's taboo, but the way we see it, this is a bigger, this isn't the problem. This is the way the problem's manifesting. You're having a difficult time in these other areas. Let's get you into counseling. Let's get you talking about your normal life stuff. And then if you want to talk to your counselor and you want to address these things, I think that'd be a great thing. But don't bring the kids, say, drop him off counseling. He's got a pornography addiction. Fix him. This is horrible. We, we're so scared of him because now you're telling him you can't handle it. And if you can't handle it, how is he supposed to believe that he can? So what about this? Let's say you haven't caught your son or, you know, yeah. your kid. Let's say that you just happen to have a teenager in your house between the ages of 13 and 19 years old, and it's a male, and you're aware that the stats are this, and like you said, the Guinness Book of World Records of the kid who's never seen it, whatever. What if you were to say, I don't know if this is an issue. I'm aware, I'm not an idiot, I'm aware that pornography's out there. I just want to let you know that, you know, whatever, something really chill that you would say, non-freak outish, that's like, look, if you ever need to talk to me, if there's something that, you know, y you are struggling with, I just want you to know that I'm here. I'm here for you. And, you know, I don't know if this is an issue, but I just want to start the conversation. I'm not going to be mad. I'm going to acknowledge that this is a reality. And I'm, I want you to know my door's open. Mic drop, walk away. Like, you know, I really love a long, a while back, it feels like a long time ago, we, we did a DM about, you know, when should I give my kid a cell phone or something like that? And you said, you know what? Start the conversation before it's a crisis. Yep. And, you know, if you're telling, if, if we're going to accept this reality that pornography is more of a norm than it is some random problem. Starting the conversation is not a bad idea. 
Now, real quick, what you just said. Absolutely, 100% stamp of approval, what you just said would be a great approach. And only under one condition is if that approach was the approach you were using days before, you had weeks been, before. Like you were working on your relationship. You would have had to have that same approach with less scary things. You're always going to be tested by a teenager. They're going to be watching to see, are you a trusted adult? We've talked about this before. In order to be a trusted adult, you have to have multiple moments where you're just dropping the mic, making a statement, moving on, and you're a cool, trusted resource. They have to see that it's the the rule, not the exception to the rule that you're acting that way. So you mean you can't be freaking out about video games and grades and everything and else, but then things, say, but then I'm really calm super- when it comes to pornography. <laughs> see, because of my own sexual issues, I can talk to you about pornography. That's not what I'm saying. You're right. See, you got me. That was a joke there, guys. Point is, you would have to be consistent, not every time, but pretty fairly consistent for a while, but you're right. You want to start the conversation before time. A lot of parents, they take, and so like you just said, starting the conversation ahead of time, getting ahead of it is much better. A lot of parents use, to start the conversation, they use shaming instead of telling. So they would say something like this. Can't believe kids nowadays, like freaking, all they do is look at pornography all the time. Like that's so gross and disgusting. Like how could they even see that stuff? And Parents will just randomly around the house have open discussions about how disgusted they are with certain people's lifestyles. Oddly enough, the parents are taking sly little jabs either at A, something that they don't want the kid to do, something that they think their kid is doing that they want to let them know how disapproved they are of that lifestyle because that's going to make a bold statement to their kid. And all they're doing is shaming them, pushing further away. If you do that as a parent, you're less likely every time you do it to have your kid talk to you about any difficult life circumstance until they really need money. Then they'll come and talk to you. But besides that, they're not going to talk to you about crap. Think about you're not a trusted person. So many times parents will tell me or kids will tell me that I was going to tell my parents that I had this issue. I wanted to open up about it, but I've heard them make comments. And I go, oh, really? What comments? Well, they just talk about like our world's going to hell because of pornography and this and that. And they villainize it and demonize it so much. And it's true. The pornography industry and what those people are doing is pretty ruthless and it's pretty horrible and it's gangster and they make billions of dollars off it and they don't care about the worth of people's individual souls. I mean, I, I think about anyone who's ever done a pornography movie or anyone's watched it for long periods of time. It's like the pornography industry should at least provide free therapy for those people. It's like, <laughs> gosh, you're making enough money. And the reason why I say that is because I've counseled people that have done porn. I've counseled strippers. I've counseled people that use sex to earn their living. And they came to me because they had a relationship that was going wrong. And I'm like, oh, really? You're your spouse doesn't like it that you do porn all the time or your kids found out. These are real conversations I've had with people. And every single one of those people, they never intended their life to be like that. Someone that looks at pornography and gets addicted to it, they're not trying to get addicted to pornography. Someone that gets involved in pornography, I've never met anyone that was involved in pornography on one level or another that said their goal in life was become the best porn star, the best porn producer one thing leads to another, a desperate situation puts them in another desperate situation. They wanted to make someone happy. They want to do this. They need the money. Whatever the story was, they got to a place that they didn't want to be and they weren't planning to be. It is an intimacy issue on both sides of the coin, not just the people looking at it. It's the people also doing it. For how many people are doing porn right now, like actually involved in that industry, there's a lot more of them walking around 
our normal day-to-day life, we just wouldn't know it if they were in those movies. Those are regular people who struggle with regular life situations that also feel the taboo nature. I can't talk about my struggles because it's the most embarrassing thing. Think about if someone found out you did pornography versus you looking at it. That might be the only thing that's more judgmental and critical than actually looking at pornography would be if you were the person that was doing it. Those people have to go back to families and homes and lives. And that's why the objectification of women is such a big death blow to men and manhood because you don't earn your reward. You didn't have to work for it. And what man, when I say man, I'm not trying to define men. Any man, like no matter how he defines himself, can look in the mirror having any major addiction, whether it be drugs, pornography, controlling his life, or female, men or female, controlling their life, and look in the mirror and have an intimate, close relationship with himself. And then how are they supposed to have intimate, close relationships with other people? So it is an intimacy level on all, it is an intimacy, intimacy issue on all different levels. But if parents want an activate and tool, if you're a spouse and you want a tool how to handle this, if you find out your husband or your spouse is looking at pornography, plan the way you approach it. Have it queued up, meaning I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that. And the first conversation isn't even a conversation. It's mostly just you making some statements, softening the whole scenario and softening the blow so that they know that you want to talk about it, you're aware of it, but you don't threaten divorce, you don't threaten taking someone's car away or all these things because you don't know where this is coming from. And you don't want to drive someone deeper into the shadows and deeper into shame. You want to help them slowly come out of it. When I say slowly, I'm being realistic, meaning you don't want to force them out of their shame. You just want to help persuade and coax them out of that dark place. And that takes a fine, I I get it. When I sit across from moms, so mom, it took three months. My buddy, by the way, a little shout out there for, um, Fight the New Drug, it's a nonprofit organization here in Utah that focuses specifically on pornography addiction for youth. They have a Fortify program, great book, great program for teens. There's definitely the brain science approach and all these different types of things. The mom was like, okay, she came in to see me. She goes, my son's got this issue. Don't worry, I'm out on it. We took away all the ability. He doesn't have a, like any internet on himself. I mean, this kid was like in the dark ages. He's like 17 years old. And she'll, and every single night when he comes home from school, he and I sit down, we get on the Fortify website and we work on the different pornography uh, addiction recovery uh, assignments together. I looked there, I said, okay. I said, well, uh, looked at her son, I'm like, how's that going so far? He's like, I hate it. I don't want to do it. It's the most embarrassing thing. It's more embarrassing to sit down with my mom, do this with me <laughs> than it is to be caught. I'd rather be caught again than, you know, they have to like sit there every day. It's like, reading it. My mom's watching me do it. It's like, she's like, well, I just want to make sure he falls through because if he doesn't get this, she was like, it's against the religion. He's not going to have relationships. He's going to be, I, it was like, she was so scared. He was going to be one of Satan's spawn because he was looking at it. And I told her after getting to, I go, tell you what, let's just hold off on all this stuff for a couple weeks. Let me get to know your son for a little bit. And then I'll give a suggestion. And I just told her to hold off on the sitting down with him, keep the other stuff up. But just, I go, hold off on this. Let me meet with him. So after we met for a little bit, I came back and I told her, I said, well, I can confidently tell you that your son, his pattern was looking at for a day, off for two days, look for a day, off two days. I said, your son could look at pornography every single day for now to the end of the school year, and he'd be a great young man. He'd have the sweetest heart. He'd be a, a guy that anyone would want their daughter to date. You have an amazing young man. So be really careful 
not to take his act and what he's struggling with as a determination of his downfall and his death because he's coming to me every single time we meet openly crying and sharing with him. He wants to get better. So let's not treat him like he's a broken problem. Let's treat him as if we're his support team trying to help him figure it out, but he's got to figure it out. We can't push him. And I said, the first thing you need to do, you stop doing the fortified thing with him. We're not going to do that until he's ready. And she did not like that. She did not like not having that security. They should be doing this every day. After a long debate for 45 minutes between the two of us going back and forth, she said, okay, in lack of better terms, she said, okay, we'll try it your way. But I'm warning if this doesn't work, I'm like, I get it, man. I, I know you're going to blast me on Yelp. I think I have one Yelp review. It's like a three because I told someone that, you know, he was a horrible husband or something like that. I'm like, dude, you're kind of a horrible husband. He's like, that's not true. Like, I didn't know you were on Yelp. I'd like, probably give you a positive No, no. I think one person gave me a Yelp review back like six years ago when it first came out. And someone recently said, you only have a three stars on Yelp. I would have given you a five. I'm like... I have a Yelp review. I didn't know. There's like one. I'm like, how do you have one three? Now I got a three because only one person gave me a review. Point is, in this particular scenario and situation, you're dealing with so much shame. You're dealing with so many things. You don't want to attack the shame because the problem, which is the pornography you're looking at, that's not the root of the problem. That's not where it's coming from. That's how it manifests itself. So for all you out there, be very cautious. Um, approach this with complete respect, but also you want to be careful mostly because you don't want the person to run and hide more. You want to slowly bring them out so they can start to see some different ways to look at the struggle. Nine times out of 10, they're relieved that they can talk to someone about it, but you want to help them talk to someone about it. And by shaming them, they're not going to want to go to a counselor and talk about it. I I think that, I mean, we knew that This is a big topic, right? Yeah, I mean, I could talk for three more days on this because there's a whole bunch of things in my mind. I'm like, I didn't say this, didn't say it. But for now, I think that's good because, you know. It, it's, a, it's a big topic, but I think that. Oh, yeah. And any of you guys have questions about, want me to elaborate more on it, DM in the questions and we can queue it up for more specific yeah. details. Because, I mean, there, there's not a lot of tools I can give at this moment except for that approach specifically. Yeah. Having the information that's an intimacy issue is going to help you see it a little bit. Is going to help you see it a little bit more clear. And from my experience working with people, a lot of people don't think that this horrible, gross, disgusting sex thing comes from an inability to connect with other people. But when I explain to them, when you can't connect with people, it's like, hey, might as well get a little bit of a connection. It's well, better than nothing at all. <laughs> even though it makes me addicted and irritable and objectifies women, you find that out later, unfortunately. Well, and if we just zoomed out. For a second, like let's just zoom, zoom, zoom. Let's talk about any time that there's something dysfunctional. Maybe it's a eating disorder. Maybe it's self harm. Maybe it's depression, anxiety. Maybe it's abuse or being bullied or what. Whatever is happening, and we've said this before, and and I think I just want to add it one one last time connection remains the kryptonite and and obviously these are your words addiction these are your words dave um having modeling strengthening those connections with your children with your spouse inside your family is the is how you fortify your home yeah 
And, and so looking for those opportunities to create connections that are real, that are intimate, this, this will help this path. What, whatever the struggle is. And, and I think I really appreciate that about today, whether or not that was, I mean, obviously that was kind of enlightening. I, that was a lot more about pornography than I've ever really thought about. Um, but I, I really appreciate that reminder for parents everywhere. This doesn't have to be a teenager. This can be like, if your four, five, six, seven-year-old child learns how to connect with you, and you can keep that connection going, you know, you're gonna that that child and you and your relationship and your family is gonna be that much further ahead. And you can share this with people that you love. I mean, it's this is not an uncommon topic for adults to say, hey, you know, my friend's in a relationship issue husband's looking at porn, this has happened. Like, this is so... When I say it's more common than we realize, it's an understatement. Right. When I first started private practice counseling, the, some of the biggest issues that were coming, you know, into my office were different, like, family struggles. It's like, you know, if it's a blended family, there's an issue, and that could cause them to want to break up or go through, you know, potential, like, considering divorce and they needed counseling. Um, also money is always a big one, right? Um, you know, uh, there's these different things, but in the past 10 years, I've seen pornography and sexual issues rise to the top of the reasons. And the funny thing is not usually the presenting reason. It's the reason that gets uncovered after a little while. Sure, sure. Or it, when it is the presenting reason, then I'm dealing with a very disgruntled one spouse is pissed off and angry. And the other spouse is like, I want to work hard at this, but I don't think she'll ever forgive me. So I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. So it, this is a long, this is a very, th- something you have to be patient with and understanding. It pays to not react in any of the difficult life situations. But this one, I think so much is riding on it that could disrupt families and relationships and disrupt a young man. And I didn't even, I didn't even talk about what pornography has done to young women and their expectations to be attractive to young men who are always looking at pornography. Yeah, I got it. That's a whole nother episode inside well, of itself. Some, 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 a lot of issues I'm concerned about there. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I apologize to a lot of my clients. <laughs> I mean, listen, another... A lot of my clients listen to this like, but you didn't tell them about that one thing. I'm like, it's only an hour, man. I can't get into all of it. Well, m- moms and dads, let's just, let's not freak out. It's good. That's good advice. That's good advice. And with that, we'll end it right there. You know, before we end, I want to give my first shout out. I got the best text today. My sister, Nolani. What's up, Nolani? She texted me and she said, David, I just got in with listening to all your podcasts. Then three hours later, she's okay. Now I'm done with all the DMs too. She's like, it was just the best compliment anyone's ever given me about the compliment. I mean, about the podcast because it came from my sister. My sister and I are very close. um, And... I just want to tell you, Nalani, I'm extraordinarily proud of you. You're finding what you're looking for. Your life is going in the right direction. I couldn't be more proud of you. So I just want to give her a shout out. Thanks for listening to the podcast and also let her know how proud I am of her. And I'll be seeing you soon when we go to the beach. She and I have a routine. We go to Fidel's. We go to the beach all day. Then we go to Fidel's Norte, my favorite Mexican restaurant back home. This is where we grew up. So when I come home, that's our tradition. And she knows I'm running late because I try to surf too long. And then I make everybody wait. And then, yeah, so it's just how, how we do it. Well, that's, that is a big compliment when you get that from, a, from an older sister. 
That's pretty funny. sure she's the only person in my family that will ever listen to the podcast, immediate family. <laughs> you better hang on to that, man. Right? Oh, I, I, trust me. She and I, we're very close. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Thank you, everybody, for watching. As always, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to our website, lightthefight.com. You can send us a DM on Instagram, on Facebook, or even at that aforementioned website. We love to hear from you, um, and we appreciate we appreciate you listening and sharing this with your friends. We, um, we know that we said the M word, and we're... Sorry if we made anybody feel uncomfortable. No, she's sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I was supposed to something get out of the closet okay, and get out of the okay, shame. Okay. We ain't talking I about still, it. I still feel a little sorry. Okay, would you would you prefer I think it'd be creepier instead of saying masturbation, I think it'd be creepier to say self-pleasuring. <laughs> you're right, yeah, you're right. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, and with that I can give you lots of other thank metaphors. Thank you for listening, everyone, and we are out. Goodbye.